Welcome to the A to G podcast. I'm Jacob. And I'm Darren. And we're here for another episode, episode nine, the biggest episode yet. <laughs> this is going to be, this this is gonna this be is a giant banner hanging over our episode Ex- right here. Exactly. This is going to be a star spangled episode, Jake. You say Star Spangled is an American show or something? Oh, we're worldwide. You... We're all over the place. We're worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Look at yes. that. Yes. So we have Canada, U.S., wherever you're listening to, we thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It's a king-sized, super-sized type of episode. That's right. And it's a special episode, episode nine. And find us everywhere at ADG Podcast, YouTube, uh, Instagram, iTunes, all social media, Twitter. You, you definitely want to check all that out, especially after this episode for the multitude of links to everything we talk about, to all of our special guests. Hint, hint. It's going to be a giant, giant show. So, Darren, let's kick it off with sports. Let's do it. Sports. All right. So let's talk about the final dagger for MSU and the final four. MSU. Oh, I actually want to talk about that. Yeah. That was hey, you know what? It's like watching I, I, a Michigan game all over again. <laughs> yeah, but at least I get to enjoy, you know, an extra game from my Spartans. So That's my Spartans true. went down to Texas Tech, who uh, eventually they lost to the national champions, uh, Virginia. So congrats to Virginia on winning the national title. No, no. Well deserved. Uh-oh. Especially after last year when they became the first team who was a number one seed to get knocked out by a 16 seed. So pretty good redemption for them winning it all this year. Well, it felt like a weird tournament, let me tell you. It, it just felt a, weird. It was very up and down, and a lot of teams that you didn't expect to be in the Final Four, like Auburn, made an incredible run. So it, that's why they call it March Madness, Jake, because you just never that's know. Perfect. You just Madness. never know. Uh I, I have to mention them because they just you know, are off to such a hot start. The Detroit Tigers are actually in first place as of right now. They're tied for first place in the Central Division at uh, seven and four. So Tigers are off to a surprisingly hot start. You know, great pitching, great defense, timely hitting. Will it last? Probably not. But it's no. it's fun while it's fun while it's la- it's fun while it lasted. That's so right. we'll see what happens. You know, it, it, that's that's the only thing I ask. Just be competitive at the ballpark. You know, put put on a good show for the fans that come out to see you. All seven of them. So everything's <laughs> going to be great. Uh, right. I, I I can't, you know, do sports without mentioning the start of the NHL playoffs begins this week. My Toronto Maple Leafs are back at home against their old rival, the Boston Bruins. Uh, every Leaf fan remembers last year when they spanked us, especially in that game seven. But this year, hopefully, it's different. I'll, uh, I'll be saying a couple of rosaries and Hail Marys. Uh, <laughs> maybe, may, maybe I'll get nice. my prayers answered. Maybe I'll see the Leafs in the second round. Uh, so that so that series starts Thursday, but the actual playoffs start tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So if you're if your team has made the playoffs, congrats. Enjoy all the 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 intense hockey viewing because i know i'll be a sweating bullets i won't be my team sucks but anyway uh, yeah well we, we know about your team and uh talk about another, another one of jake's favorite team the detroit pistons are Hell yeah. barely hanging on to that final no no, no. They're, they're they're losing themselves out of the playoffs <laughs> now it's like look look we're gonna make a nice run we're gonna go yeah. right in the middle of the pack and then at the very end we're gonna 
take a giant turd in the middle exactly. of the court. So, and lose ourselves out of the playoffs. Watch. Well, it's going to happen. Last game yeah. of the season. Yeah, they pretty much need to win to get in, right? Uh, yep. That's the scenario. That's right. Win, That's it, right. win and you're in. So, Blake Griffin, you know, I know you've been carrying the team on your shoulders the whole season. If you're listening, Blake. <laughs> what are you doing? You should be playing right now. That's they, right. Shouldn't they be playing right now? Anyways. But, yeah, awesome. Blake, Blake Griffin needs to, uh, shell, uh, you know, just lead every Carry statistical category. That giant Andre Drummond on your back and uh, win the damn game. Waste of waste of money all right so that pretty much wraps up sports i know there's a lot to a lot to look forward to so uh, i believe next podcast uh depending on my tone i'll either be very happy (laughs) but if i'm disappointed and sound miserable you know why because at least we'll probably still be here but we'll we'll still be here but we'll still i'll still vent to my loyal listeners and to you jake yeah that's that's three of us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh so that's it for sports jake awesome good stuff and um so we should probably cover the giant sporting entertainment event that happened uh this past weekend the oscars no we oh. did that show oh okay it's a good show but mm-hmm. bigger crazier oh. much 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 longer <laughs> It's like it's like Titanic times two, and then some. And it all it also sank at certain points. So, oh, oh. But anyway, but I think we need some uh, <laughs> better input into that world, or because you and I are just not enough for this. So we no. need more specific input from someone uh, much much better informed. Exactly, and who was there? So from us talking about WrestleMania 30, uh, uh, 35 to someone who was actually there in MetLife Stadium, the pride of Pickering, Ontario, Chris Van Bleet joins us on the ADG podcast. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Although, you know, I, now that Sean Mendez, you know, is from Pickering, I don't know if I'm the pride of Pickering anymore. Or well, was. well, you were the original uh, before uh, Sean Mendez. So there you go. Yeah. I'll take I don't think Sean Mendez deserves that title, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, so Chris, uh, before we jump into every, uh, all the great WrestleMania stuff uh, and all the great interviews that you've done over there, tell us how did you get involved uh, in entertainment reporting and like how did your career begin from a guy who was on uh, Sun TV I believe you guys yeah. did a show there to uh, Miami and, and being an entertainment reporter on a, on a Miami uh, uh, news station uh, it, it was always my dream to uh, be a broadcaster be I was fascinated by radio and television and I went to school. I went to uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. I took communication studies there and kind of realized that like a communications degree is awesome, but it doesn't really uh, help you do anything in the real world. Like it doesn't help you get a job. So in my final final year at Laurier, I uh, was trying to volunteer at every radio station or TV station in town. And I was volunteering at Rogers Community 20 in Kitchener. And um, a radio station there, 570 News in Kitchener, said, hey, we don't take on volunteers, but how would you like a job? And I'm like, okay, sure. (laughs) Uh, They're like, it only pays $8 an hour. And I'm like, well, that's $8 more than I thought I was going to (laughs) make. So that was my my final year, my fourth year at Laurier. 
and just kind of getting, you know, my feet wet in the industry and like really getting into it. And I learned so much more in the actual world than I learned in a classroom and no disrespect right. to Laurier or to university, but you know, me actually going out and chasing after it, uh, kind of became like the thing I kept doing in my career. From there, I talked my way into an internship in Peterborough, uh, checks TV, that internship turned into a job. Like within two weeks, I was like on TV in my internship. Wow. wow. Um, from there, I was hosting a show, an MTV show, or I guess it was MTV2, a much music show in Vancouver called 969. It was on their Razor channel. Uh, I was on Sun TV. And uh, in between the job in Vancouver and the job in Toronto, I, uh, I got laid off. Our show got canceled. And I was like, well this sucks because I was doing like the thing I really wanted to do, which was be on right. TV. And I kept auditioning for jobs and getting like in the final two and the final three and not getting hired. And I thought, well, if I can't get a job here in Canada, I'm going to try to get an agent in the U S and, you know, try to search for something there. And that's kind of when the wheels got uh, moving. Uh, I got an agent in the U S and I ended up auditioning for a whole bunch of stuff there. And to make a long story short, I got a job in Cleveland as an entertainment reporter, and now I've been working in Miami for almost five years now. And it's been, I mean, it's, it literally is a dream come true, this type of job. I've been to the Oscars five times. I've covered the Grammys four times. I've been fortunate enough to win some Emmy Awards myself. And uh, as a big wrestling fan, I get some access to be able to talk to some of our favorite superstars. Exactly. Some, some access is a really big understatement from what we we see online that we do you do an amazing job uh interviewing everyone and we will definitely get into that but you i think you're an excellent example of what hands-on experience uh really can do for someone darren and i also have journalism diplomas and we totally agree with everything you said and it's a totally amazing story of how you you want something you go out there and do it get your hands-on experience and look just like that a lot of hard work and you still do an amazing job no, and thank you very much for that. Uh, the job in Vancouver, which was like, you know, that was hosting a national show and I was 23 years old at the time. I actually lied to get that job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a bad lie. I didn't like say, you know, I worked somewhere I didn't or went to school somewhere I didn't. But uh, I, I knew the person that was doing the hiring because their name was on the like application. And I sent in my stuff. And uh, I didn't hear anything back for a couple of weeks. And I thought, you know what? I think my demo reel is strong enough that I should at least get an interview. Um, so I called up. It was City TV in Vancouver. And I called them up and I said, hi, is Catherine Peterson there? And they said, one moment, please. And I'm like, what? I, I can't believe this is actually going to work. <laughs> and uh, she actually answered the phone. And I said, hey, I, I sent my stuff in two weeks ago. Have you, have you had a chance to look at it? And she says, no, we haven't. But, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you when we do. She sent me a follow-up email, and in that follow-up email was her direct desk line. So I waited another week, and I called her back directly at her desk and said, hey, uh, if, I'm wondering if you had a chance to look at it. She says, yes, I have. I said, well, great. I'm actually going to be in Vancouver next Thursday, and uh, I would just love a chance to talk to you in person. And that was a total lie. I wasn't actually going to be in Vancouver. It's you know, <laughs> a five-plus-hour flight. I had no money to actually buy this flight. And she goes, well, if, if you're going to be here, you know, we might as well, you know, we might as well chat with you. Right. And uh, that it was me showing that initiative and uh, actually putting it out there and making myself available is what got me that job. And without that, I don't know if I'd be here now. Uh, so wow, it, it. It, it, exactly. So you, you have to kind of like 
create your own path to get to get what you really want, especially in this industry. Well, I'm such a firm believer in any industry that if someone is doing something that you want to do, there's no reason that you can't also do that. You know, you mm-hmm. need to know that that person was in your same situation at some point in time before they became successful. So I, I'm a big believer in going, look at where they're at. Look at where somewhere that someone that's very successful is at and work your way backwards, however many steps to where you're currently at. And now you've got a blueprint to get there. Exactly. That's brilliant. That's exactly. Brilliant. Well, it, that's fantastic because in Windsor, um, Chris, we have uh, this MediaPlex where a lot of students are, are getting a hands-on experience in writing, radio, t- TV, social media, pretty much everything in one. And that's good right there in the classroom. It's all hands-on. It's all, oh, like, it's all hands-on. Really but, like, r- but like pretty much they send them out as you can do it all kind of reporter. You can shoot video, record audio for radio or podcast write write a music uh, write a magazine article write a full feature article for a story um is is that is is that still the best way to get noticed by these people or is it something that you have to do you have to be something you have to do something so spontaneous that you get noticed either have like a, a viral vlog or a youtube channel with lots of subscribers i mean it's certainly shifted i graduated in 2005 and here we are only 14 years later, and it's shifted so much, um, you know, even in that time. I think now um, news stations or just stations in general or wherever you're going to go get hired, they want to see that you're capable of doing the job. Um, right. And when you're 21, 22 years old and you're graduating from university or college, um, everybody kind of looks like they can do the job. But doing the job in a classroom is very different from doing a job in the quote unquote real world. Um, I always tell people just the more you can get on camera, the better you're going to be. And now we all walk around with cameras in our pocket. Yes. And that's a complete game changer. So if you can have a YouTube channel or you can put videos on Instagram, doesn't really matter what the content is. Just be a content creator and get stuff out there. Get comfortable with seeing yourself on camera. Get Mm -hmm. comfortable with, yes, that is what you actually do sound like, Uh, you know. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You, you probably don't think you sound like that, but yes, that's how the rest of the world hears you. And yes, you do that funny thing with your lip or your eye or whatever when you're on camera, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you a human. Yes. It, that's it, golden it, advice, by the way. That's golden advice because we have a lot of journalism students that listen to the podcast uh, from that school because we, that's where we attended. That, this is golden advice, everyone. Listen, that's, this is a blueprint. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you said like you have to get comfortable with your voice and, you know, the way you look on camera. What was the big thing that you had to overcome when, you know, finding your style, finding your voice, finding your look in front of the camera? I think the biggest problem for everyone when they're starting out is you don't know how to be yourself on camera. Uh, everyone, you're, the, the advice you're given all throughout broadcasting school is just be yourself. Yeah. And that's actually kind of terrible advice, to be honest. Right. What, what they should be saying is be the most uh, amped up version of yourself mm-hmm. uh, and be the most entertaining version of yourself. Because if you're the yourself that's hanging out, eating pizza with your parents at six o'clock on a Thursday night, you're probably not very excited. And that's probably mm-hmm. not, you know. The, the person that anyone would want to see on any sort of platform. Right. I, I would say that just get comfortable with being an amped up, excited version of yourself. Um, and 
not trying to be someone else as well. I, I think that I had a big problem with that. You, know, you watch all these great broadcasters or these great journalists, and they all have a certain style of, you know, the, what they do with their voice or the way they, you know, their inflection or something. And it's hard to not fall into that trap of trying to be like those people. Um, and it, the best way you can do it is just repetition. You just have to do it time and time again till you realize. And it probably takes, it probably takes a good year, year and a half of being on camera all the time to go, oh, wow, that felt really good. And if you're not looking back on stuff that you shot a month or two or three or six months ago and cringing because it's awful compared to what you're doing now, you're not progressing. Wow, you're you're the school looking. of broadcasting today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you're always trying to improve yourself in everything you do. So, so Chris, I got to ask, uh, try and merge two things with you creating your own style and your love of wrestling. Did like what what it, was it about wrestling that kind of like drew you into it? Was it the was it the characters? Was it the these 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 athletic guys just doing whatever it takes to entertain people? Yeah, it was a little bit of both of those. Um, I was blown away. Uh, by the larger-than-life personalities um, and the athleticism. I mean, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played hockey, of course. Uh, <laughs> I played I played baseball, and I also was a high school wrestler, which is funny because there's uh, you know a real paradox there. You're 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 wrestling, but you're told to not like pro wrestling. Um, and I actually was you know as an amateur wrestler in high school, I was not watching wrestling because it was so vastly different from what we were doing. And then the Attitude Era happened. 97, 98, and oh, Austin yes. and McMahon and The oh, Rock yes. and everything else. Yep. I was so hooked. I watched, <laughs> I watched so much of it. And I think that, you know, in those formidable years, I was in high school that time. So you're 14, yeah. 15, 16, 17. And those are the people that are, you know, quote unquote, raising you. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know, it gives you this like obscene amount of confidence because you're sure. seeing these guys on Monday night with this crazy amount of confidence and, that actually really helped me become the, the person and the grown up that I, I am now seeing that, you know, in those formidable years. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about, um, you know, those those wrestlers that pretty much end up raising you uh, while you were watching them. Who was that one wrestler that when you got a chance to interview him and talk to him, like was like life altering? Like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You I I remember watching you while I was in high school, what was that? Who was that one wrestler? Yeah, that was the rock. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, hands down. Uh, and yeah. I've now been so fortunate enough to interview him like nine times. But the first yeah. time that I interviewed the rock, he was at the top of my list of like, if I could interview anybody in the world, the rock yeah. was number one. Right. And I got the chance to interview him, not for a movie, but I got to interview him at WWE raw, like backstage wow. as he was preparing for WrestleMania 28. And, it was, I mean, he's larger than life. He's yeah. just as nice as you'd want him to be. He's incredibly charismatic. Yeah. And The Rock has this special celebrity quality about him where he makes you feel special. Even yeah. in, you know, we, I obviously had, you know, I think our interview was like six or seven minutes, but The Rock has this incredible innate ability to make you feel special, even like in a two second, three second interaction. Um, he makes you, you know, laugh, smile, he cracks a joke, whatever he happens to do. And the rock understands that he's this, you know, biggest celebrity in the world. And you're going to remember that for the rest of your life. Sure. Absolutely. Jake. And it's not because probably he's uh, what I'm thinking is, is the rock 
actually being himself? Is this an actual personality that it did come out in the late 90s uh, when his TV personality came out and it seemed like he came out and he continues that persona now. Is that he himself that special in person? It's just because I mean, that's who he is. That's that's been the interactions that I've always had with him. I mean, he does, you know, hundreds of interviews a day when he's promoting a movie. And yet he'll see me on a red carpet now and be like, hey, Chris, how are you? And I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> do you know how crazy, crazy this is that the 16 year old me was raising the people's eyebrow and telling people it didn't matter. And now, you know, my name, like <laughs> he didn't so, shoot you the finger when you weren't looking in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on live TV, by the way. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that happened until afterwards. My boss called me. Is like, did you see what he did? I'm like, what do you mean? That was awesome. They're like, no, he gave you the finger. I'm like, Great. what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if you're a fan, you don't take that as a disrespectful no. gesture. No, it's a rock. Of course. Oh, of course. No, I, no. I, I wear it like a badge you. of honor. That means he likes you exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, Chris, we we're, we're, were talking before you came on about. WrestleMania just happened uh, six and a half hours later. It was one of the longest WrestleManias in, in history uh, that I remember. Give me your thoughts on the event itself. Like, what did you like about it? What you, what you didn't like about it? Just, just tell all the, the people that are listening you know, your thoughts on it. I can certainly understand uh, if you're sitting at home and watching this on the WWE Network, how it can feel like, you know, an insanely long event. And it is. Yeah. Um, when you go there in person, though, like you're there, you're there, you know, you've blocked off your whole day or for most people, the whole weekend or week mm -hmm. for this. You know, it's the biggest wrestling event of the year and it mm -hmm. should be, you know, everything that it was. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And I think that I, kudos to WWE for not running as many vignettes as they had in previous years. And I think yeah. that that really sped the program up like a ton. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to have 15 matches or whatever they had, and all of them had vignettes, and all those vignettes are going to be three to five minutes long, <laughs> that's right. an extra hour right there. Yeah. Um, the, the crowd was insane during the Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match. Oh, yeah. And what I thought was most interesting about that is you know, Kofi's really only been in this main event spotlight for the last month and a half, two months. The crowd doesn't really know what to chant. Like, we've never really done a Kofi Kingston chant. Right. So That's true. it was kind of interesting to see the crowd go from a let's go Kofi to a mm -hmm. Kofi Kingston. <laughs> and, and like, the, the, you know, they hadn't really figured it out. There was also a New Day Rocks in there. Uh, right. And I just thought I thought that was really interesting to see. Um I think that the crowd went home happy with the results of pretty much every match uh, with, mm -hmm. you know, with the exception of the, the Joe and Ray match, which was far too short, but I understand that Ray Mysterio was working injured. Right. As a whole, I, I think that if it was as simple as black or white, good or bad, thumbs up or thumbs down, I think mm -hmm. that WrestleMania 35 is for sure a thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I was at uh, the Royal Rumble in January in Phoenix and that, to me, felt way longer, even really? though it wasn't. Yeah, just just the, the card just I don't know, didn't move as much. And, and is is that because you have two you have two rumble matches and and, mo and both of them are about let's say forty five minutes? Oh no, no, they're all they're all an hour, well over an hour. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Or, or forty five minutes to an hour depends on uh, on how quick it goes so there you go there's two hours on two matches right there plus yeah your other uh, 
championship matches and singles matches. Uh, Match specific, Darren, I have a quick question where do you feel that, uh, this is going back a bit, the Ronda screwed Ronda at the end of the show? (laughs) Like a New York screw job here that we had? Montreal screw job. (laughs) I know, but we're doing New York York screw job. (laughs) New York screw job, okay. Brooklyn screw job. I mean, I, I, I would have to think that anything and everything that goes on inside a WWE ring is certainly these days is planned. Um, I, I don't, Rhonda's reaction popping out of that mm. felt like it was a work. So I would have to think that this is going to get factored into storylines at some point. Cause there's, you know, she obviously popped out of it a little bit, but then immediately started arguing with the referee. And if she had screwed up, I, I just don't think that that's what would have happened. Okay. Yeah. She, I, I was, I was thinking the same thing. She could have probably slipped out of the ring and just, Looked all pissed off, or something like that. It it it, it kind of um, a lot of fans online were a little. It was anti-climactic. Uh, the, the 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 final uh, moments of that uh, triple threat women's match. Do, yeah. Do you agree, do you agree uh, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. in, in in stark contrast to how. Um, Brock Lesnar lost the title to Seth Rollins that night. Stark contrast to how Daniel Bryan lost the title to Kofi Mm -hmm. Kingston. Like those had massive buildups. The crowd was right behind it. You know, they they were eating out of the palm of their hands. Whereas here, it it felt like just a cheap roll up victory that, yeah, I don't know. It just, that finish was booked really oddly in my opinion. Yeah. It like, I, I think that like, I, I don't know. For me as a wrestling fan, I wanted to see it like kind of the same result, uh, resemblance as Daniel Bryant at WrestleMania 30 with him, uh, Orton, and Batista. You know, that, that final moments, you know, he's, he has him in a submission and, you know, everyone's on the edge of their seat seeing if he's going to tap. You know, that, that final moment of that aha moment. I think uh, people were kind of robbed of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the sad thing, and this happens at WrestleMania so frequently, is when you've got a big match like the Kofi Kingston match, it takes a lot of the energy out of the crowd. And uh, yes, for sure. you know, you know, when this uh, main event doesn't start till close to midnight and <laughs> doesn't end till mm-hmm. after twelve thirty, yeah, you know, it's tough. That crowd's been there most of them since oh, I think the doors opened at three. So, yeah. you know, you've been there probably all day. If you took the train there, you probably left your hotel at like mm-hmm. one or two. And now it's almost 12 hours later. Exactly. To follow up to the last match, do you uh, personally, looking at it, could this be the end of the women's revolution? Because to me, it started at NXT Brooklyn, Sasha Banks, Bailey. But do you think this is where it kind of fades away? Oh, no, no. Hell no. I think that (laughs) they're riding this wave and the publicity that's behind it, like the fact that all these major news outlets are picking up that a women's match was the main event at WrestleMania. This isn't going anywhere. In fact, if anything else, this is going to only get bigger and stronger as it should. You know, Mm. I, I think that there'll be a point at some point in time when we're not talking about it being a women's match versus a men's match. We're just talking about it being a match. Right. Absolutely. So, so uh, Chris, I was I was doing some uh, research and I was on your YouTube channel. Um, great channel, by the way. Great, con- great content. Great interviews. Um, oh, Chris Van Bleet on uh, YouTube. Check it out. Uh, I watched the interview with John Cena and there was a lot of mystery on John Cena. Was he going to compete? Is he going to do something? Obviously, he came out uh, a throwback John Cena, the whole thugonomics. 
did you have uh, did he give you any inside info maybe off the record or that was pretty no um i mean what you didn't see on camera was maybe five seconds before the interview where he was walking up and said oh there you guys are i didn't see you uh <laughs> and then the interview started and you see as you know on, on the youtube video that he's walking up as the interview starts and then right. after the interview we had maybe 10 seconds we took a photo and that was it <laughs> I knew he was going to be at WrestleMania. I mean, right. I think we all knew he was going to be at WrestleMania. Right. Um, he didn't lie to me, though. He said he didn't have a match at WrestleMania. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he did not have a match at WrestleMania. No, he did not. No, no. He so, didn't. Um, I, look, I, I was so incredibly grateful to be able to get that interview. And it was, it was actually an interview I did with Tyler Perry, you know, like Medea, yeah. that, yes. um, that kind of was made this happen. Uh, I, got, I got talking with Tyler Perry and he was asking me, you know, what I was doing and everything that was going on with my job and TV and everything. And I said I had this YouTube channel. He goes, oh, well, I'm friends with John Cena. Would you ever want to interview him? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes. He goes, oh, OK. And then uh, like five minutes later, he goes, OK, yeah, it's going to happen in New York. Like, oh, all right. Nice. Wow. And you see in the interview, like when Cena walked up, he said he had 10 minutes to do the interview. Yes. So at the 10 minute mark, I tried to wrap it up and. He goes, hold on a second. Hey, you got more time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like what? That, a, that what was a, a good guy. portion of the interview. Yeah, definitely. But but yeah. but, but, that, but that's got to make you feel good as as a as a interviewer or a journalist. You know that obviously he's very comfortable with you and he, he, the questions are good. So he says like, yeah, keep going. Uh, yeah, I th I think that uh, you know the reality of doing interviews, and you guys know this from having your podcast, is right. everybody's favorite subject is themselves. Yes. Um, and, you know, especially when you're talking to someone like that who, you know, we all have egos and obviously John Cena's in the spotlight. Uh, I'm sure that this felt good for him. You know, I was asking what I thought to be smart questions and uh, he was giving me you know, some, some decent answers. And I think he was enjoying it. And he was. And, and talking about the answers he was giving you, here's uh, something that he avoided a little bit. The AEW question that you had. I guess, I guess a I little bit. I guess I should have been more direct with that question. Um, oh, he also completely dodged the relationship question. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh yes. He's a pro. Yes. He's a pro. That's right. He knows. Yeah, no, the he way like, his, ours, his eyes were darting around the room like, like dude, I'm, I made this pretty wide open for you. You could say whatever you want, but like, you looked exactly. a little nervous in that moment. That's right. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have a uh, uh, WWE PR around you while you were asking that question. Yeah. You yeah. answer questions yeah. beforehand on that one. Yeah, now that, the dead that, eyes, the that is eyes. often the case with uh, mm -hmm. the interviews that WWE approves is someone's so, standing there off camera. Yeah. So speaking of AEW, I, I got to admit, one of my favorite interviews on your channel is when you did a backseat interview with Chris Jericho just recently after he signed with AEW. Yeah. And, and about that. So now that AEW has potentially uh, a deal set in place with TNT to have a, a weekly show, uh, do you feel like this is another Monday Night War rebirth, but with AEW? Well, I talked to Billy Gunn uh, about this, and I posted that interview about a month or so ago, and he said they don't want to be competition. And I think that, you know, I think that that's a smart move. You can't put yourself, create, make yourself competition now on day one versus a company who's been doing this for 30 plus years. Right. Um, they want to create an alternative. Uh, they want to 
And I think that they have already done that. They haven't even had one match. And, you know, we talk about them like they are the competition, which is also a little bit uh, crazy to me that they've leapfrogged Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor without ever having a match. And, you know, obviously they have a ton of money behind them and a whole bunch of people who are super smart. And, you know, I think that that's amazing. But let's see what they can do. Um, I've been saying this uh, for the last couple of months that, if and when they announce that TV deal, it needs to be on a network that people have actually heard of. And the exactly. fact that it's going to be on, you know, on a great network like this, that's mm-hmm. a game changer. Because if this was going to be on, I think, Impact Wrestling's on uh, a channel called Destination America, which I've never heard of. And they were also on a channel called Pop TV, which I had also <laughs> never heard of. So, you know, that, that seems like a death sentence to me. I, 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 think, I think the last time I heard they're on the Pursuit channel. Okay, well, the, there well, you they, go. And, and the, the better question here is, have you ever heard of the Pursuit Channel? Nope. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and this is my point. So, <laughs> uh, you know, congrats to AEW. If, if that is the deal, I can't wait till this is. I, I mean, I think it is the deal, but I can't wait till that's officially announced. Right. Um, and I, I'm interested to see what day of the week they pick. Uh, and I'm also interested to see if their show is one hours, you know, one hour or two hours. Well, that's the key because if they depends which day they, they pick, they might go against Fox's new SmackDown uh, show that they're uh, starting this fall. Well, I they, I don't think they would ever do something silly like that. I think that I I had heard rumors that it was going to be Wednesday, but I don't know if Wednesday makes sense because NXT is mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. Tuesday because uh, SmackDown moves to Fridays. Um, you know, no matter what happens here, this is a super exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Exactly. Of course. It's, it's actually a good, a good uh, another brand new era starting. We just we don't know the name for it yet, but it, it, it seems it, like it. Exactly. Because you see all the great talent, especially in Impact and Ring of Honor and, and all those great organizations. Chris, do you believe that all the best wrestlers who aren't in WWE are, are going to be eventually scooped up by AEW. I, I, don't, like... I don't think so. I, I think no. there's only, you know, there's only room for so many people on the roster. Right. Um, and I think that this will be a similar situation to Lucha Underground, obviously on a bigger scale here with AEW. But Lucha had its core group of, you know, incredibly talented wrestlers. And there's only room for so many. You know, of course, people are going to cycle in and cycle out. But <laughs> I asked Billy Gunn about this. I said, "Have now that you're like the head coach and you're the head producer behind the scenes, mm. how many of your friends are asking for jobs?" He's like, "Oh yeah, they're all my they're all my friends. Yeah, <laughs> anyone who I've ever talked to, you know, is now hitting me up asking for a job. <laughs> you know, that the reality is, how many people have they signed? Something like thirty. And yeah. you know, how many how many people out there want those spots? You know, three hundred and thirty. You know, <laughs> something like that." Well, I know that they really made a big splash in signing Kenny Omega, who is like the biggest superstar that isn't in WWE. And a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads when he chose AEW over someone like WWE or Impact. Or going back to New Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, well, the thing is, New Japan is obviously great, but, and a lot of guys, for a lot of guys, that's their dream to wrestle there, but it doesn't you know, get the exposure here that it should. Right. Um, obviously, true. a lot of guys are you know, nervous about going to WWE and having their character get killed or, you know, having to do a storyline that they're not interested in. I mean, Gallows and Anderson were rock stars in Japan. Mm. And, you know, look at them now. 
Yeah. So I think that Kenny Omega probably has an incredible amount of creative control in AEW, and he knows he's going to be the number one guy there. If he goes to WWE, I don't think he is the number one guy, or at least not for long. No. Well, I I want to get your thoughts on Dean Ambrose. Obviously, he didn't get a contract from the WWE, and now he's pretty much a free agent now. Where do you think he's going to end up? Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Like, I, I still don't I still don't know if that's official. I still don't know if that's a, you know, a work or a shoot. And I love that we're living in an era where we don't know what the yeah. actual deal is here. It just doesn't make sense to me for WWE to get out in front of it and go, yeah, this guy's leaving us. Why would they do that? Like, what benefit yeah. is there for WWE to say Dean Ambrose is leaving? Uh, I just yeah. I don't know, you know, the case there. Um, I, I'm also, you know, his wife works in WWE and I'm sure yeah. she's under a long-term contract. I can't see him, you know, just going home and, you know, going back to Vegas and just sitting in, in their home while she's on the road like that. Right. This right. is a company that covers all angles usually when things like this happen. So, yeah, if I had to, you know, guess right now, I would say that this is some sort of a work and this will be either worked into a storyline or he'll just be quietly re-signed or something like that. Cause I, I just don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense for them to announce he's leaving. Right. Uh, Chris, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on NXT takeover Brooklyn, which I thought was one of the highlights of the WrestleMania weekend, especially the, the, the Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, uh, two best two out of three falls match. Why are these guys still in NXT? They should be up on the main roster. Yeah. So first of all, TakeOver was the show of the weekend. Oh, for sure. You know, it was like every match was a main event. Um, Yes. I actually think War Raiders versus Ricochet and Aleister Black was the best match. You're you're preaching to the choir, brother. That's right. And and they have raised the bar with that match and a lot of the other matches they've had. But with that match specifically, they have raised the bar so high for tag team wrestling. And uh I, I, I'd love to, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. Um, you know, I interviewed Johnny on uh, Sunday, uh, two days after he won the championship. And he's been a friend of mine for years since I lived in Cleveland. And I was a ring announcer for him at an independent wrestling company in Cleveland. And uh, Johnny will tell you straight up that NXT is the main roster. Um, NXT is just the third brand. It's Raw, it's SmackDown, and it's NXT. And I couldn't agree more with him. Um, and look how many times we've seen guys go, you know, get quote unquote called up to the main roster mm-hmm. only to have, you know, terrible matches and terrible storylines. Tyler Breeze is one that immediately comes to mind. I um, oh, love that. Love that. Love that you brought that up. You're right. Like Perfect 10, Sean Spears, you know, was so over. Or uh, mm-hmm. um, Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, you know, is the name he's working under now. Um, Ty Dillinger, you know, another example, a guy that was so incredibly over goes up to the main roster and you know there's nothing for him so i think that uh, you know if i'm being selfish as a fan i want johnny to stay in nxt as long <laughs> as he possibly can it, do, do you see like the only the only way that they can would consider going up to the main roster let's say if monday night raw or smackdown one of their top players is out for long-term injury wise that's where like okay i'll go up to the main roster for you know six months or whatever you know, and work a storyline until that other person is uh, medically cleared to go. Well, the thing we haven't seen is guys getting called up and then going back to NXT. I mean, we've seen a little bit of crossover. Obviously, 
Johnny and Tommaso were on Raw and SmackDown for a little, like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Alistair Black and Ricochet, are, you know, are still on the main rosters. But the thing, you know, it's kind of the kiss of death if you're really good in NXT and you get called up to Raw or SmackDown and you don't succeed there. They just kind of go, well, they didn't succeed. That's it. They don't ever, like, send you back to NXT. Uh, right. So, unfortunately, I, don't, I just don't think that that's a scenario that they're entertaining. No, that's, and going off of that a little bit, uh, just to round out this whole WrestleMania thing, uh, when you mentioned Ricochet, and I'm a big fan of Ricochet. I saw him before he actually got to NXT, and uh, he's a great performer, great athlete. Now, was his entrance at WrestleMania as quiet as it sounded on TV? The oh. fan reaction? <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's weird. I, I, yeah, I no, watched... it, it felt really weird to me because he's great. I love him. Love his I haven't watched back uh, WrestleMania, but no, he, he got a big pop in person. Mm. Um, no, and, and everyone was, you know, obviously super familiar with who he was. So yeah, that's strange that it came across that way. Yeah, it, it just to me. That's why I had to ask because you were there, and I need that front line opinion because I love the guy. <laughs> I, I, w- I wish him the best. He's a great athlete. I, I was one of the eighty thousand there. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, uh, Chris. This I, last thing I want to touch on was obviously the the Hall of Fame induction ceremony for the WWE. Obviously, it was kind of overshadowed by an idiot ran, running across <laughs> trying to tackle Bret Hart, which you, do, which you don't do, obviously. Uh, all those great, you know, well-deserving uh, WWE superstars taking their place in the, in the Hall of Fame. Who do you want to see next, and who do you think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, there's a ton of people that should be in that will probably never get to go in, like Chris Benoit, um, Owen like Hart. Hart. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, next up we should be seeing, well, The Rock will obviously go in at some point. Right. Um, Undertaker, maybe that'll be next year, the year after. Um, I think I actually just posted an interview, interview with Rob Van Dam and he talked about it. Uh, Rob Van Dam is for sure going to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, he's just signed with Impact Wrestling. So, you know, who knows how long that contract is. But Rob Van Dam will be in there. I think that uh, Eric Bischoff should be in there. Wow. Um, yes. Wow. That's hey, That's Eric Bischoff call. absolutely needs to be in there. But it's funny when I asked Bischoff about that, he said he doesn't think he'd ever be in. He actually scoffed at it. He's like, oh, no, of course. Not. No, I won't be in there. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, like, you're a great mind. Vince Russo should be in the WWF Hall of, or WWE Hall of Fame. Yes. Well, That's yeah, that. you brought up, you brought up, yeah, Bischoff definitely. He, if it wasn't for him, half the things that we have right now wouldn't exist. How can you, you know, how can you put the NWO in without the guy who created the NWO? Exactly. 100%. But but this has been great. Honestly, uh, honestly, Chris, we could could talk all night with you, but we got (laughs) to wrap up this interview and our marathon episode, which will, it's, it won't be as long as WrestleMania 35, but it'll, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be close. It'll be close. <laughs> so uh, just just one more thing. Uh, where can people find your stuff and, and and where can people see your videos and all your content? Yeah, it's just my name, uh, Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. That's Instagram. That's Twitter, Facebook, uh, and obviously on YouTube as well. And uh, yeah, if you've ever seen any of my videos, uh, please just uh, throw me a subscribe. That'd be awesome. And already Darren, did. Darren, Jacob, this is awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's, Thanks it, for you're, coming you're on. Right. It, it was we could talk pleasure, wrestling Chris. forever. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Well, 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 hopefully we'll have you. Uh, we'll have you on again soon. Talking w- whatever happens in the WWE. Hopefully, uh, if everything goes right, 
we'll talk about the four horsewomen. Maybe Ooh. maybe that's something that they're nice. that they've been teasing us with for a while. So hopefully that gets that gets done. Yeah. No, you're right. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great night. You, you too. too. Thanks Thank so you. much. All right, Darren. Yes. Let's do an interesting topic here because we do this almost every week. And uh, every week we get another trailer. We get another preview for something. There's mm. a couple of movies I want to touch on. Uh, we talk about Endgame all the time. Yeah, it's coming out. I have I got, my tickets. I got my ticket. There we go. I, I will be watching it in the comfort of um, of uh, Lakeshore Cinemas with my friends. Nice. I, I, I have a question. Are those the reclinable chairs? or? Oh, hell regular? yeah. Oh, you lucky SOB. Yes. Uh, Second row from the top, right in the middle. Woo, yep. Perfect. We got them early. Perfect. Yep. Thanks to Grant for that shout out. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I believe I believe mine are. Uh, we have it for Friday at Silver City, the lovely Silver City here in Windsor, uh, nice. and we're in the middle somewhere. But those kind of seats, they kind of crammed us in like sardines. But so, get to know your neighbor very well because it's going to be a three-hour movie. That's why I handpicked my neighbors and they handpicked me. And that's <laughs> why we bought tickets early. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm excited for it. When I got to talk about it, we always talk about Endgame. There are a couple other movies that we should probably cover that mm. one kind of relates to it uh, that comes out after Endgame mm. Spider Man Far From Home. I uh, love the preview. Great, great trailers, new characters, new villains. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, not, not say mystery, because we, we really don't know too much about like, the plot. I know uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is plays the villain in this movie which is cool right. it, it, it's great you know and like i said we'd love to see you know new characters from marvel and new villains from marvel so that's always going to be fun to see and i'm a big big jake gyllenhaal fan i think he's a great actor so it's gonna be fun to see him in a you know comic book movie bag yeah, hit up the marvel universe it'd be great exactly get that marvel money exactly no that look it looked really good so if we're gonna touch on that uh we have the Joker trailer, which we shared on our Facebook page um, with Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. It's the new Joker movie, which, from my point of view, and I talked to one of my friends who's a huge comic book fan, uh, follows everything. From my point of view, after watching the trailer, and my, my buddy didn't like it at all, I, th- from, I think it's a separate universe that they're trying to get into here. Right. Like an alternate universe here. With this Joker story, because it goes, it builds up, and then it just finalizes with this character. But the the build up to it is very fresh, very uh, I don't know what the word for it is, showy, artsy, yeah, kind of, it's, yeah. Well, it, it, it's a follow up on that point. It is being directed by. Uh, uh, Crap, I can't think of the, uh, the, the guy that did the, the Hangover movies, Todd Phillips. There you go. Okay. Okay. Todd Phillips is directing this movie. And so for him to put his own spin on it and really show an early young Joker and how he wanted to be good, you know, and just wanted to be a good person. But he was just tormented day in and day out until he just drove himself insane. You know, I'm going to be interested to see the transformation. Like, when did he be, stop being himself and he became the Joker, you know? Right. And the trailer kind of shows you all those little um, yeah. like points in time where he tra- kind of transforms. I think the beginning, looked it, it looks weird to start 
the mm-hmm. trailer's kind of weird to start. You like you don't know where this is going. The only yeah. thing that got me to make this as a positive thing that I, makes me want to see the movie, mm. and I want to you should see the trailer. There's nothing spoiling it here. The trailer, the very last few seconds of the trailer when he's in full character, yes, looks amazing. And I think that's what's going to bring people into watch this movie because when Joaquin Phoenix, I don't know if it will be my choice to play the Joker, but at the end of this trailer. It's like it was, looks like a good choice. True, and 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 of course, like you said, it's an interesting choice, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is a amazing actor. He really, oh, of course. he of really course. goes in depth with his characters, a little like how Heath Ledger really went into the Joker. That's right. Obviously, That's this right. is not a Heath Ledger style of Joker. He's making it his own character, so mm-hmm. that's gonna be great to see, and just to see how, like you said, how. He, Todd Phillips puts a spin because the Joker has been done so many times uh, to like from Jack Nicholson to recently, which with um, Jared Leto, which I thought was just awful. Just one of the worst Jokers I've seen. Really? I actually yeah. didn't mind it because I think he was pretty good in it. I was just I would have liked a standalone Jared Leto yeah. Joker maybe, movie. Maybe he was buried by everything else in that movie. Yeah, I that just, movie wasn't I, good in, by any means. No, I, I, I just think that, I don't know, he could have done a lot more with it, or maybe he yeah. didn't really have the freedom to make it. His I think own. we needed more. We needed yeah. more. But, yeah. well, the, we agree to disagree. I, I, I didn't think he was that good. You obviously liked it. so We, we might find out. We never know. They might make it. Who knows? Well, well, they're trying to revamp that whole Batman saga after the whole Ben Affleck kerfuffle. You know? Yeah, good luck. Yeah, what, so what show who, DC is. who knows what DC is thinking? I know that they're really attaching their wagon to uh, Wonder Woman right now, and especially mm-hmm. the Shazam, all the, Shazam with uh, all the success of Aquaman too. So there's the, yes. they have a couple of you know irons in the fire. So it's gonna be interesting mm-hmm. to see what they do with the whole Batman saga when That's it right. ever if it ever comes out. Good. Now there's another movie. Now that we're kind of in. Not everybody's into um, heroes and villains and all those other movies. But on a scarier note, and one of my buddies sent me this trailer uh, for the movie, a movie called *Brightburn*. And before I even saw it, my friend told me like a little, a little backstory of what this might be about. And after I watched the trailer, I had to agree a little bit. Now, now, this movie might reach both audiences for superhero movies and horror movies because this is like a this is not affiliated with any comic book, DC or Marvel, anything. But what it looks like, what the story seems to be, is a Superman-like being coming to Earth and becoming evil. Mm. So, like a supernatural human uh, being coming to Earth and becoming evil. Now, it might sound stupid in theory, but they put it into a horror type of plot where he does some scary shit. Now, we're going to post a link of the trailer on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And you got to check it out. It's really well done. Loved it. Scary. I think it's a great idea because you don't have to be a giant um, company, comic book company, to put out these types of movies. It's scary. It's innovative. It's creative. I think it's going to be a big hit. If it's not going to make that much money, if we can help out, make it like a little underground thing and it gets a lot of viewers it actually looks like a really good movie i might be wrong but hopefully i'm not 
when it comes out, we'll find out. But it looks like a really good, good, good movie called Brightburn. And we'll share that trailer on our page. Awesome. So check that out. So from movies, we are going to transition to this week's music. All right. So joining me today on the ADG podcast for our music feature for this week is one of the three group members of Voice Memos, an independent band that we're going to feature today. It's Richard Borger. How are you today, sir? Good, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. I'm really looking forward to this interview because you know what? I watched your uh, brand new single. I watched the video for Division, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit. First, so I really want to know, there is a, is a trio of you guys for Voice Memos. There's three yes. of you. And yep. how did you and the other two group members come together? Yeah, so um, it basically started that I was uh, very interested in music production. So we all, at the time when we met, worked full-time engineering jobs, actually, in Houston. Uh, and I started getting that itch of, man, is this really what I want to do? And uh, kind of started toying around with different ideas of what I like to do. I like to run, I like to rock climb, and I really love music, and, and music was a thing that just kind of kept sticking. So I decided to start investing in building up my own home studio, uh, which I have now. You know, I built it up all by myself. Uh, I did have a mentorship with another Houston local artist and uh, producer. His name's John Allen Stevens. If you haven't checked him out, he's also uh, an awesome artist and producer, produced for people like The Suffers and some other big name so nice um, that's awesome yeah definitely uh he's he's a great great mentor so i learned a lot from him and i after doing all that for about nine months almost a year uh into 2018 last year started making my own music thought it was really going to be more of a solo type of thing uh as i got further along into it uh you know i just thought okay maybe i'll have some features or some people coming in and helping me make some of this music but I met uh, Stephen Mokulis first uh, through some other mutual friends, and he said he was a drummer. Started just coming out and jamming, you know. We started playing together. I played bass and guitar, and you know, a bunch of other things, a multi-instrumentalist. But uh, he was playing drums, and we were just jamming out and starting to make a couple songs. And then uh, around June of last year, maybe even maybe even closer to May, I met Akash Gupta, uh, who is the other main collaborator and multi-instrumentalist. And uh, after we met, we just started jamming a lot together and realizing that we could make some pretty cool, pretty cool sounds. Um, he's got a lot more jazz background, really loves Daft Punk. I have a little bit of uh, indie rock, you know, Death Cab, Grizzly Bear, Tame Impala sort of vibe that I like to go for sometimes. Uh, and Steven's just an all around kind of drummer, likes, was in drumline growing up and other things like that. And when we combined a lot of our styles together, we started getting this kind of <laughs> interesting Interesting indie rock uh, fusion of sorts, <laughs> jazz and all sorts of stuff. So, right, yeah, and, and, you, and, you can, and you can hear it in your music. Yeah, you can definitely hear those uh, styles. Between the three of you, your influence in music uh, sounds like a nice little meshing of a lot of different sounds. Mm -hmm. And you can hear that through um, what you guys put out. And, um, and we'll, again, when we play that single in a little bit, we're going to hear it. But the, yeah. the name Voice Memos is very clever. <laughs> How'd you guys come up with it? Man. Uh, I think I get it, it but I'm not sure. <laughs> right, right. It, it, it's, uh, it is as straightforward as uh, where you think it came from. But uh, the way it got there in the first place was 
I initially, like I mentioned, was kind of thinking I was going to do my own solo artist. I, I had my own solo name that I thought I was going to roll with. And uh, it was all fine and dandy. It didn't really ring any bells in my in my heart. But uh, I was like, OK, I'll just roll with this. But as soon as I got comfortable and uh, as I started collaborating with Steven and Akash, it was kind of pretty much apparent right away that this was going to be a, you know, a group and we were going to have a band. And I was like, yeah, we're not going to go under my solo name that I had intentionally work, ro rolled with. Um, but really, which was, can up, we get a scoop? What was the yeah, name? Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was Rich Eyes. Which, okay. Uh, which, you know, play off my, my name, Rich. I also thought, uh, you know, I make, I customize music, right? So Rich Eyes with the I-Z-E at the end of it. So like, there we go. Yeah. With a little bit of tie to like the actual eyes of people. Cause I think you, you see a lot in people, uh, through their eyes, you know, you can make a connection with people very deeply just by looking at them in the eyes. And I think that's a, a major part of why I was doing that too. So it, it had some meaning to me, don't get me wrong, but as soon mm -hmm. as I was working with two other people, it was it was clear that that wasn't gonna, <laughs> I didn't want that anymore. Yeah, uh, true. So yeah, basically, you know, as I'm recording music or when I get little bits of ideas, what, what app do I go to in my uh, <laughs> iPhone to start recording things? Uh, voice memos, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's called in Apple. Um, so I basically had it open on my desk I'm talking with Akash over the phone and we're like, yeah, what would we call ourselves? I don't really know. I don't really know. And I'm just looking around my, <laughs> looking around my studio for inspiration. What's going <laughs> to, is, is it soundboard? No, that's just, what am I thinking? And uh, I look at my phone and the app is open. I'm like, what about voice memos? First, first comment. It's like, well, I don't hate it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just sort of grew on us. And, and then I was like, yeah, but I don't know if I want to keep it with the, with the eye in there. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like a, I'm just going to be copying the, uh, the Apple app. And the VOI idea, the VOI kind of came from, you know, the Spanish to go and movement. So uh, I was like, why don't we just change it with the Y, kind of give this like sort of flowy movement to it, you know, like to go again in Spanish as, or I go is VOI in Spanish. So yeah, it was kind of the combination of, of that idea mixed with the app <laughs> itself and kind of that being the uh, the platform with which we kind of get a lot of our ideas on, on, on the first take, right? I, I open up voice memos and I record my voice. I record an acoustic guitar track or something. And a lot of music starts at that point. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, no, it is. It is. I love that brainstorming, that development of ideas. That's what, yeah. uh, music, that, that's what drives you, right? That's great. Uh, now, I did hear your uh, first single called The Vision. Cool. From the upcoming album, which we'll talk about after uh, that we talk about the song. And I, I loved it. I really did. And not, <laughs> not because it's a... And I explain why I'll explain. I explain a lot of things. So let me explain it. <laughs> this song, it, it's it's got a saxophone solo. Which for anybody that knows, I'm I'm a fan of all music genres. That yeah. is something rare nowadays. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> you you you've used a lot of fresh sounds in this song. Like it, you can if you can technically hear a lot of different genres in it. Mm -hmm. And it's another level of musical storytelling. Not only in the video, which is great, really nicely done, by the way. The yeah, video is great. And Shout out to, like, to directed by Ghost for that. He he helped make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly you, you can it see it. that. That's that's pro work. That's awesome. For sure. uh, really nice scenery. Um, and from what I can tell, looks like a relationship song. Yep, for sure. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. And but but the music itself and is is just really there. It really is there because it's it's unique. And not, you know, it's unique because it combines a lot of different genres from if, for someone like me who listens to pretty much everything. You, you can you can hear different genres that you guys put in your own si efforts into. And 
you see I slipped in the relationship song in there. So what inspired you guys to come up with that, your first track here? Yeah. Um, I, full, full honesty, the, the first time we, we started making this track, we were actually working on another track, uh, the second song in the album called Quixotic, which, you know, when the album comes out on the 19th, you'll hear. Uh, and looking for some, you know, some key tones that we wanted to put behind it, some pads. And mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, the working title of this Division song was Pads because we had found just such a nice synth sound that the opening synth sound and, and the synth sound that goes out throughout the whole song mm -hmm. and just thought it was such a clean, like nice background ambience for the whole thing. It really just created that kind of atmosphere we wanted to, to be in for this song. Um, so it was only later that once we started putting the, the lyrics to it, that it became division. But um, yeah, it was a, uh, the drive, I think, you know, when I when I was making the lyrics and, and kind of writing them down came from, yeah, this idea that, you know, one of the main lines in the song is uh, if you ride out there tonight, don't come around here tomorrow. That's and, right. And that that really is is almost as clear cut as it can be. But it's it's that idea that, you know, if you go out there and that, the video really tells that story. Right. Too, is if you, right. If you go I'm not thinking that something. that's those lyrics are in the hook. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you go if you go out looking for that other thing that you think might be better, I mean, First of all, I might not be here that next day. You might, you know, it, things might have changed by the time you come, you know, running back to it. So that was kind of the main, the main idea from it. Uh, and we just, you know, when that, when that vocal line kind of stuck with it, it was that was the main kind of idea that was driven behind it. But obviously, in the beginning, with the kind of verse, first verse part coming in, it, it, it hits a lot on just that, the pain and the feeling of that, like that kind of first initial, like. Yeah, pain of, of someone leaving and, you know, leaving you for what they think is going to be something better, whether it be another type of life or another person or whatever it might be. So it was kind of, you know, hitting on that heartstring of kind of the pain of that at first, but then also rising above and saying, like, you know what, I'm better than that. And like, if, if someone is going to think that <laughs> they got something better to go find, by all means, go on, but I'm not going to be here that next day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's it's perfect. Like I said, it's a it's another level of musical storytelling, yeah. and I'm a big fan of it. And yeah. I think our EDG audience is gonna be a big fan of it. So yes. what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna play it for everybody. Cool. So this is Division by Voice Memos, right here on the EDG podcast.
All right, everyone. So that was Division by Voice Memos. And we're still talking to Richard Border, one of the three members of the band. Group, I should say. So <laughs> now that we heard your f- first single, I know there's a second single coming out tomorrow. Yep, that's it. Called Indifferent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, after this first one, you know, we're just going to, after we share this one, I'm going to want to hear the second single. And yeah. obviously we're going to share it too because it's going to be a follow-up to this great first track you guys released. What can yep. you tell me about it before it even comes out tomorrow? Uh, yeah, this one, uh, as you'll find with kind of the entire album, uh, we didn't really hold back in terms of uh, the styles of music we were, we were willing to explore, right? It was, it was whatever came up we kind of rolled with. Uh, you'll hear a lot of jazzy-style songs with, um, you know, we have a song that has a bossa nova style groove in the middle of it, uh, kind of some R and B flavors on top of, you know, the more electronic sounds like you hear in division. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this song indifferent, uh, this is probably one of the most slapping songs on the album. I think it just, it, it hits on a cool, cool syncopated level throughout the whole song with a very driving baseline. Uh, the drums are really full and exciting and, uh, vocals kind of still in that ethereal range um but uh yeah this this one's gonna be a little bit uh, a little bit more upbeat uh still got a little bit of a serious tone in terms of the the vocals and and the topic of interest uh it centers around the idea of how a relationship can be driven by the other person being literally indifferent to it you know Mm -hmm. uh, yep. A lot of, as you read, uh, if you read into relationships or you read some books about it sometimes or read other people's anecdotes about it, they talk about how sometimes someone starts liking you more when you start uh, being indifferent to it, exactly that. And uh, it kind of centers around that idea and, and, and how that's a common occurrence in relationships. So, uh, yeah, it centers around that idea. But, man, it is a driving, fun upbeat sort of song and uh yeah like like you mentioned it comes out uh, on the 12th tomorrow so yep. tomorrow yep well we're ready we're, we're 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 excited we're definitely gonna look forward to that so now that we're kind of talking about uh the future a little bit i know your album uh, for voice memos catching me in stride is coming uh april 19th so that's yeah. next friday mm-hmm. uh, so we you've mentioned some of the things about the album uh how the the 13 tracks on it uh will have a different sound throughout the album what else can you tell me about uh the release date uh is there anything else coming out before that or anything particularly we should be looking for on the album besides listening to all 13 tracks anything that should that will catch our ear right away when we listen to them uh yeah again i mean like, like i mentioned there, there's a, a wide range of styles so i think uh, people will find something to connect to on this album in one way or another whether they're a fan of edm whether they're a fan of uh, rock alternative indie rock uh more jazzy styles and tones uh, a little bit of r&b uh there's some really beautiful acoustic <laughs> moments on it as well i think perfect uh, i think i think again people from a relationship aspect and the lyrics and and what's going on in that level on top of the various tones and styles that we managed to to get on there i think somebody somebody everybody will find something to, to connect to on it. So I'm really excited for that aspect. We're working on uh, getting kind of live performances squared away. Uh, got some obviously logistical issues with uh, main collaborator being in Boston. 
Right. And you, you and I were just talking about that a little bit before yeah. we uh, started the show. So, <laughs> right. Can you, well, can you tell me about that? Because now I was going to ask about uh, you guys touring and having some live dates because we definitely want to share that uh, with mm-hmm. our ADG listeners. Uh, so what's the uh, main logistical issues that you guys are having? Right. So uh, when we started started this whole kind of project and started really making music a, a lot together as a group, uh, we had about two to three months together before the, you know, the other main collaborator, Akash, uh, went off to Harvard Business School. So we're based in Houston, me and Steven, and uh, Akash went off to Boston uh, to go do this, you know, big, big schooling thing. And it's good for him and happy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it does. It does make it a little hard. We kind of have a postal service thing going on where we're sending stuff via email and talking over face i mean obviously we have a little bit of technology advanced since then uh we can facetime audio and there's pretty good quality there so we use that a lot to continue working on things but it's really a we do a lot of individual effort to make some pretty good starting beats and uh starting sounds and we'll send them to each other and just add on top of it together as a as a collective group and it's a really cool way to make music because you start with something and you think you want it one way and they come over the top of it with something else that you weren't really expecting and it's (laughs) It's very interesting because then that, I think that's what really melds the styles together. And then when the other person hears it, they're just like, what? Where did you come up with that? You know? Oh, so definitely. You're, that's, you're that's growing something, exciting. right? It's, it's yeah, great. For sure. awesome. For sure. Perfect. So um, as far as tour dates go, yeah, we, we haven't quite said any yet. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time doing the production side of this and, and the logistical challenges have made it hard to do any practicing. So I'm in the midst of uh, getting some additional uh, performers to help make this whole thing happen the way I want to live. I, I think I wouldn't want to do as much, you know, over the top recorded versions of it as I'd like to have the full instrumentation on stage as best as possible. Right. So finding the people to do that is, is a bit challenging. And we've got some other uh, <laughs> events coming up in the future that are pushing it back a little bit. But I, I'm hoping in the next two to three months, uh, maybe, you know, sometime in the summer here, we'll have the, the means to kind of start playing a few shows around the Houston area at least. Uh, and then maybe even the Boston area where, where Akash is located. So, Well, we would definitely want to hear about it. Uh, yeah. So before we, we go now, Richard, where can, we, where can everyone find you? Uh, what are your socials? Because I know we'll link everything on our socials to uh, where we can find your music to your YouTube and all that other stuff. But give everyone listening right now uh, some ideas where you guys are, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, anywhere else. What are your hashtags yeah. or... Yeah, so uh, the, our main website is voicememos.com, V-O-Y-C-E, memos. Uh, if you're going to look at us on Facebook, it's uh, also Voice Memos Facebook page, so same spelling. Uh, on Instagram, you've got uh, voice underscore memos for, for the uh, Instagram tag. Uh, and those are really the main spots you, you'll find us at. Um, same if you search on Voice Memos YouTube, you're, you're going to find the video and, and everything like that. So. Uh, look for us. Uh, you know, I'll be updating links in the bios of, of all these uh, and the links on the website to all the new music. So you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, pretty much all the stream, major streaming services, Google Play. So, yep, voice that's, members. Yep. That's perfect. We will be anticipating that uh, album release on April 19th. That's Catching Me in Stride is the album by Voice Memos. And we appreciate you coming on the show here on ADG, um, sharing all your information all your inspirations and your entire musical history. We love it. We appreciate it. And thank you again for coming on the ADG podcast. I appreciate you having me, Jacob. It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Thanks, Richard.
right. And that's that. All right, Darren. So I have, I have a little question for you. Okay. You and I coached soccer before for a little bit. I I, I was your loyal assistant. Yes. All right. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm obsessed with sports uh, coaching and molding being on the minds field. into <laughs> being superior athletes. Yes. You could you're, not have you're, put you're, it better you're, myself. You're like, you're like the Bill Belichick of youth soccer. Wow. I take that. I need that on a trophy. I need <laughs> now, that engraved. <laughs> well, is, is it because you cheat? I don't know. Hey, you know, if you're not caught, <laughs> as long as you get the rings. Anyway. He's classic Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero, just cheat to win. Lie, lie, cheat, and steal. Lie, cheat, steal. That's you. <laughs> All right. So, why I'm bringing this up, because I know you and I have been out on the field coaching before, mm-hmm. way back when. And, yeah. I, and I, I did it for a very long time, and uh, my kids are in it and things like that. It's just it's once in a while these videos on YouTube pop up of uh, crazy sports parents, right. parents fighting on the fields because of whatever the game or kids or referees or whatever right i cannot say i'm innocent here because uh, as the last couple years i've been on the opposite side of the sideline Mm -hmm. i have a little bit of that craziness in me too (laughs) like i'm watching the game but i'm watching the game i'm not yelling at the coaches right i'm not yelling at the referee right i'm yelling at my own kid right when necessary in my opinion yeah. Honestly, <laughs> go there, do that, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, my kid, I want to do it. I'm not yelling at the referees. I'm not being obnoxious to other parents. I'm right. not yelling at other players, coaches. I'm not swearing. Mm-hmm. Might be sarcasm there once in a while, like don't aim at the goalie, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but what's with parents? And I've experienced this firsthand because I traveled. Michigan, Ontario, and this this week I'm going to Cincinnati for soccer games and sporting events all the time. Mm. I see this shit all the time. Parents are going out of their minds, yelling out of the kids, oh, good elbow, hit him. Hey, what'd you do to my kid? <laughs> Sit down. Well you, well, you said it yourself, Jake. You know, you, you coach your kids not from the parent sideline, not from the coach's sideline. Yes. So, so do you think that's acceptable? Like you're kind of like taking the coaching away from the actual coach. But like, if, do you think it's okay in my mind it's is, your kids? Like, if I'm coaching my kid, yeah. I'm I parent coaching my kid. But yeah. I'm 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 like basically what I do. Again, since I've had more experience than most of the people on that field mm. combined on any sideline, it's just like I tell my kid where to be in position wise mm-hmm. and to look ahead, think of what she's supposed to do. I give them a little tips, like take two steps here, move up the sideline, throw it, throw the ball in. Like I don't need to joystick her into what she's supposed to be doing when she's in the play. It's right. just to anticipate the play coming. That's right. where I'm, I get obsessive because I love anticipating the play. Mm-hmm. Like if if I'm yelling at her, look behind you. There's a reason. Where's your positioning? Where's the reason? Because she automatically knows if I yell about her positioning, she has to get. Uh, her positioning between uh, the attacker and her own net. She plays defense like 30% of the time. Right. So, things like that. That's just like game strategies which I'm obsessed about too. Sure. But, there's parents that are like, you know, yelling at other kids because their kid got in the way of another kid or like elbowed their kid. Like it, It's a sport. Things happen. 
Right. Uh, you know, yelling at referees constantly like, you missed a fucking call. Or, you know, you didn't see that was fucking offside. What the hell? Things like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like that. No. You know, there's coaches for that. Sure. You, you want to disagree with the referee. There's a coach for that. Was That's the coach's job. The coach should be responsible for make sure, making sure there's, the team is prepared to play. And in some cases, you know, not even. But referees are there to do their job. Coaches are responsible, obviously, their team. Everybody has a job. You disagree. You handle it. Sure. Parents, parents, coach your kid, cheer your kid, things like that. Don't be aggressive to everybody around you. We don't see. We don't need to see any more videos of parents fighting on the sidelines because their kid no. got slide tackled or something, or or kicked or something like that. It's a sport. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody's going out there trying to break legs, yeah, I'm gonna get involved. But if they're playing a sport, you know, properly, play the sport properly. If your kid's better, kid's better. Kid's worse, kid's worse. Whatever. It's a sport. It's just you know, bashing the referees from the parents' sideline, not a good idea. Doesn't show that you know anything about anything. No, it re- it really makes you know your kid embarrassed of your uh, uh, your kid embarrassed you know because he has to see his mom or dad just losing its mind and then they cause a kerfuffle and the cops are called and there's handcuffs and it's just a big huge thing. Yeah, but, soccer uh, to jail time. <laughs> exactly. So obviously yeah. you obviously when your 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 kids are young and they're still learning the game, you know the strategies like you said of where they need to be. It's like I, I find that I find that that's OK. Just coach your own kid or just give them like, all right, you need to be here for this or you have to be over there when that happens. That's fine. You shouldn't be like talking to other kids. You know, you can encourage them like great play. Good play. Way to way to stay on the ball. That's fine. Positive encouragement is fine. But if you're if but if you want to be a sideline coach uh, for your kid, just stick to your kid. Don't worry about what other kids are doing, or you shouldn't be coaching other uh, other uh, people's children from the parents' sideline. Exactly, from, that's my point. From the parents' sideline, of course. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Now, now from the coaching point of view, like, like, like you, you see these YouTube videos of like basketball parents fighting and sure, sure. football people rushing the like, field to fight a referee for a blown call. Yeah, this shit happens. It's a sport. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. If they're if they're if they're a shitty referee, which you do get, you know what? Now you know you learn you uh, you have a, you should have a coach that's good enough. Mm. If you have a coach that's good, the coach should adapt to the game plan. You shouldn't have a have a coach at any age level that sits there that doesn't that just watches the game and expects the kids to know things. That expects the referee to do his job properly and 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 at any player at any level. Did everything perfect. No, you should watch and monitor the game. Your job is to coach. You coach, you coach. And then you deal with the issues. You should be able to deal with any issues. Now, with that, I have a confession to make. Okay. I've been kicked I've been kicked off the field by a referee before. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I've been I, ejected I think, from a game. I think I was there when that happened. <laughs> I don't know. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I remember this, this one was, time. because he sent you out to the parking lot. Yes. You had to go stand yeah. in the parking lot. <laughs> And it was me and the other assistant coach that had to finish the game. That's great. Oh, glad you remember <laughs> like, that. I want oh, to yeah, remember that, that. That was one of the highlights of our of our coaching career together. Awesome. Is that Jake just lost it as the, this referee, probably just some kid in high school, just trying no, to make twenty bucks. Very, very old man uh, walking in the center circle of the field, 
And then he, this old 80 year old man was supposed to what, see the sideline on the other side of the field. No, this guy fucking walked in the circle in the middle of the field and called calls from that. And this is a full size soccer field we're talking about here. (laughs) So I can't even see the sidelines and I'm six, three with decent eyesight. And this 70 year old man supposed to see it from the middle of the field, just walking in a circle when the game's playing around him. Fuck that. No. Yeah. And then I get kicked out. (laughs) Let it go, Jake. Let it go. No, oh, damn it. This was like 15 years ago. <laughs> it's like it's happened yesterday. He's still pissed off about I it. I feel the pain. No, it's the only uh, time, actually. That was the only time I got Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's fantastic. It wasn't yeah. that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. I, I just never, like, he, di- he did it so subtly. Uh, you know, he did it so subtle, though. It's yeah, like, who remembers this vividly, Darren? <laughs> I, no, because because come on, it's not like it's not every day I get to witness, you know, w- one of my friends slash head coach get ejected, you know, for, from an actual game when there's it like <laughs> it was I know exciting. it was sudden. He was like, "Out, oh, you out of here." Like, <laughs> I like I like like if you're gonna do it, you know, make it official, throw a chair or something. something. Do, do a classic Bobby Knight, you know. <laughs> you know, if you want to make it real, make it real. Yeah. Shit, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't believe you brought that up because I, yeah. I I was gonna say like should I bring that up but no, I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. did. Oh yeah, no, we're we're keeping this interesting. Yes. So with all that, uh, we'll be I'll, I'll be posting some stuff this weekend on. on <laughs> Hopefully, our... Jake not getting ejected. <laughs> you know, I have not been ejected as a parent yet, <laughs> as a sideline parent. No, my, my my road to coaching is slowly coming back, but. Yeah. I have not been ejected as a, as a parent yet. Does your wife keep you in check when you start to get a little heated? Yes. Yes. Well, I'm glad that she's a, she's a sane one in that relationship. Oh, of course. Like, you, you didn't know? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like, I get a little upset because um, I watch the game. I like to do things my way, especially in, the, in a sport that I know inside out, like basketball mm-hmm. too, but I know yeah. basketball inside out, but I love soccer. And again, I stopped my licenses and all that. I love the sport and I hate when I could do something better. But anyway, that's not the point. And this is going to lead into a perfect top five. <laughs> top five. Top five. Let's get it. All right. So my top five today has to do with kids and sports. And this is just my personal opinion. So don't sue me. Don't Google articles. I really don't give a shit. I don't like your opinion. This is my mind, Darren's show. So, sometimes <laughs> it's our show, damn it. ADG podcast. So, top five this week five sports I think children should start playing early in, in their early ages yeah. as soon as they can. So, I think they're most beneficial. We'll start with number five. This might be the oddball of them. That's why it's number five. I think kids should bike as soon as they possibly can. Biking is a great, great sport. Yep. See, a lot of people don't think of it as a sport. They just think as a recreational activity, right? That's right. So, but there's so many things. There's, you know, the BMX and the mountain biking and all that stuff. Yep. And, and, and I know people that, you know, who are vigilant when it comes to biking and, and like, uh, with the triath- uh, uh, triathlons, triathletes, yeah. mm-hmm. triathletes, you know, yep. bike is a was was is a big part so yeah to street uh, racers street racers so especially when you're young you have all this energy and all this endurance build up and you just need to burn it off biking is a great great option Mm -hmm. 
that's why it's my number five. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, number four. This is something I just played yesterday and today. Yeah. Basketball. I think basketball is a good sport. Uh, it it it's a lot of uh, hand and eye coordination. Yep. And uh, it's it's it should be bigger than it really is. It's a, it, to me, it's one of my favorite sports to play because mm. I'm actually good at it. <laughs> well, well, being, well, being six three that you are, yeah. you know, then I get helps. smashed on like I did last time I played some one on one. Never, never bet a, a college kid that you can uh, take him one on one on a game to ten. The game ends at three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's done. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, number, yeah, go ahead. Go, no, I was just gonna say that basketball is, especially in Canada, is increasing more and more. In popularity, obviously, with, with the Raptors, what they're doing, but also yes. the young talent, like look at Duke and RJ Barrett, all this great young Canadian talent being noticed uh, in the States is just fantastic to watch. Uh, that's right. And uh, Michigan has right. had the Canadian players uh, last couple of years. Exactly. Uh, Brisbane so, is, uh, is, is, uh, is another Canadian. Yep. Yeah. And he's, he's a freshman in Michigan. That's right. It's a good sport. Now, number three. Again, that's one of the oddball, but gymnastics, I think, should be an early on type of sport. Mm-hmm. It should be thrown into for if any reason, but for the stretching and the balancing, because that will get you through any other sport you will do later on in life. I've yeah. never done gymnastics, but those who come from gymnastic programs into other sports, Mm-hmm. are so much better in shape, less prone to injury. Yep. So I definitely recommend gymnastics for kids to start off. Exactly. I, I remember because I, I happened to have the opportunity to talk with uh, Olympic gold medalist uh, um, gymnastic uh, Nadia Komenich last year when she was in town at the Westby Awards. And she was telling me, like, when she started, you know, doing gymnastics, she was only like 12 years old. And how she became an Olympic champion at such a young age, you know, it, 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 she said it gave her, you know, a lot of focus and discipline when when learning gymnastic at, uh, gymnastics at that young of it, young age. So that's that's I think that's more important than anything else than anything yeah. else. When, when you teach a kids is discipline and patience. That's all that all comes with learning uh, the, a sport like gymnastic. Exactly, and that's why it's my number three. I think it's pretty important. Number two, swimming. Yes. And both my kids are in this right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, swimming, just not not even for the basic survival skills of treading water. Mm. You should know how to swim. There's so much water around us. Not even for the recreational uses, but for the emergency uses of swimming. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I think swimming is pretty important. I love swimming. And uh, that's it's just works all your muscles. It's a good workout. Yep. So that's swimming number two. Any guesses to what number one is? Uh, badminton. <laughs> uh, close. Which I'm. Uh, that's one of the other only sports that I'm pretty good at. Badminton. Ping pong. I'm terrible at it. No. Oh, Soccer. I love a good. Love a good <laughs> ping pong match. <laughs> Soccer is my number one sport. There's there's a shocker. I know, right? Well, it has the, it gives you the foot the foot skills, balance skills, uh, foot eye coordination. Uh, if you're a goalie, hand eye coordination. But it, it gives you that team building also. 
it's not a one person sport. Uh, you have a full team. You have to you have to do anything. You have to have support of your teammates, and if done properly, if the coach is right, your your team communicates and builds trust and builds teamwork and character. So that's soccer is my number one sport for many, many, many reasons. Look, look at Coach Jake just motivating on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, he's got yeah. signs like "Play like a champion today." There's no I in team. But there isn't a win. But there isn't a win. <laughs> and if you lose, you're walking home. It's not worth winning. <laughs> what is it? Is it like, not it's worth not, winning. No, no, it's not worth playing if you know you can't win. Oh, I thought, it. I that was, was a, it's not that worth was winning if you can't win big. That was the Mighty no, no. Ducks. <laughs> was it you can't win big? Yeah, it's not worth winning if you don't, can't win big. Something no, like no, that. No, I probably no, got this wrong. Somebody correct us. No, I'm telling you. I, I, it's not worth winning. I'm sorry. It's not worth playing if you know you can't win. That, 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 well, no, that's the, what Coach Riley told the young okay, Gordon. Hold on. Oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna mark out here. We're going to mark out for the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Let's get Joshua Jackson, the guy who played F- Charlie yeah. Conway. Message him right now on Instagram. We need him. <laughs> no, it, well, Go Conway! We should really get the coach. Who said we should. it? Yeah, we should. Jack Riley. Let's go find Jack, Jack Riley. Let him know. But it's not worth winning uh, if you can't win big. Uh, that's go. the Hawks bench after the cheer. <laughs> okay. I'm sure, All right. I'm, sure your, I'm sure your quote was in there somewhere, too. It was a crazy movie. It was All great. Right. Love the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find is... that I'm, I'm gonna find that quote, and I'm going to send it to you just to Perfect. prove that I'm right. No, no, no. Yeah, it's fine. We'll do it. We'll, do it. we'll okay. post it on our Facebook page. Okay. <laughs> if anybody else wants to correct us. <laughs> Send it to us. Yes, we are nerds, and we do like old uh, uh, um, Walt Disney movies. That's right. The Mighty Ducks were great. Yeah. All right. So that's the top five sports I recommend personally. Kids should be playing. So then, anyway, let's move on. So let's let's get into our last segment here, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this one. Tying into our entire show, let's end this on a nice little note with our garbage person of the week. Now, no surprise to anybody who's listened to the show today and who's seen WrestleMania this weekend or the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. <laughs> and if you're anywhere near any of this on social media, yeah. you saw what happened to yeah. one of one of the greats, Brett the Hitman Hart, at the Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, was tackled by a guy... Who just ran into the ring, by- bypassed security. How? I have no idea. He bypassed yeah. security and tackled a, a man who had um, a heart attack already in his life, who, uh, who had a stroke. Hmm. Not in, Bret Hart's not in good shape. No. It's not a guy you want to like, tackle through the ground, you know, just out of nowhere. But this guy, his name is Zachary Madsen of Lincoln, Nebraska. Climbed into the bypass security and tackled Brett the Hitman Hart, who was standing next to his uh, niece, I want to say. Yeah. Yep. Um, Natalia, who is also a wrestler. Yep. And then fucking chaos. So this I saw this video mm-hmm. on Instagram this weekend. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> who in their right mind would charge a ring yeah. surrounded by hundreds of of wrestlers 
Obviously, well, you you can kind of say the same thing. Why do people run across the field during a football game? Was was he drunk? Was he stoned? Don't know. But it's it's a bad look on you know the security at at a WWE. It is uh, is. an event. Yeah. Because because when you when you do that, he was better off just keep on running. You yes. Know? You, you know, he's not going to. Yeah, he wasn't going to get run far across anyway. the cameras and keep on running because yeah. the worst they can do is just tackle you. And then you, uh, uh, the, if they catch you, he seemed pretty fast to get yeah. to get to the stage in the first place. Yes. But I got to give a shout out to uh, after they all uh, corralled this guy <laughs> and pulled him out of the ring. Uh, Dash Wilder from uh, the Revival tag team calmly, you know, was on the side of him, just gives him a great big uppercut right to the face that really and dropped the guy him. went down. Exactly. <laughs> it dropped now, him for like those who don't potato. follow, exactly. Now, those, those who don't fo- follow wrestling, right. those who don't follow wrestling yeah. and don't know what happens right. when you jump into the ring or attack a wrestler <laughs> in the middle of a show. Beat. Right. Now, the rule is allegedly, and I am just assuming here, wink, wink, mm-hmm. this, is, this is what happens from many other sources. Right. If you're dumb enough to get into the ring, they will literally beat the fuck out of you. <laughs> they have a rule. That's what happens. And it doesn't exactly. matter if there's a match going on or a speech going on. If you get into the ring, yeah. you officially become an opponent, and they will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Even with this guy having some MMA background, he got into a ring and they destroyed him. Exactly. Now, now he was that. lucky the cops actually got to because there was a lot of cops in this event. They mm-hmm. got to him quickly because yep. what usually happens at an event, they drag you to the back and on your way to the cops, they beat the <laughs> shit out of you even more. Yes. Well, you uh, lucky bastard. You uh, lucky bastard. You're still the garbage person of the week. <laughs> And I wish to be the shit out of you a little bit more, but because you don't do that, you should know better. And if, this, and if you think it's going to give you any fame, mm. it's not. Now you're marked. Anytime you're anywhere near a wrestling ring, you attack one of the greats. Doesn't matter what company, no one's going to want you. You're going to be banned from every building. And if they see you, I'm pretty sure you're getting your ass beat again. Well, according to reports, he is ba- he is banned from all WWE future events they have his mugshot they know he'll never step foot in a place and he's also being brought up on assault charges which that's right clearly was an assault that's right it's on video it's everywhere yeah it's kind of hard uh, to say that wasn't you yeah we kind of dragged you out of the ring buddy (laughs) (laughs) maybe you leave your rastafarian hat at home next time there chief exactly and we'll share that video on our facebook page and we'll go from there but that that's garbage person of the week so for everybody listening hit us up on facebook at adg podcast email us anything you want news stories ideas music yes adg podcast at gmail.com uh this was an amazing show we hope to do more like this our heads were blown from what we did today follow us on instagram Twitter, ADG Podcast. What else we got out there, Darren? Um, uh, our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, iTunes. We're, we're, iTunes, we're, we're all there. Everywhere. And, and if anything, that if you want to talk about something or bring up something that, you, that you're interested in, let us know. Dro- drop us a message or an email. 
and we'll we'll do our best to to get it on or to get it on the show. That's right. And if you have anything you want to promote, an event, a business, we have spots open. Yep. Give us a shout, adgpodcast at gmail Send us your business info, a picture, flyer, whatever you want to pitch. Do it. We'll sell it, and uh, we can go from there. We'll talk about it. So for the ADG podcast, I'm Jacob, and I'm Darren. And we are ADG.